Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Exabel. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I'm joined by Anthony Tseng of DataYes, a China-based data provider. In our conversation, Anthony and I discussed DataYes's origins, the types of data it provides, and some of the differences between the Chinese and Western alternative data scenes. FYI, I'm on paternity leave now and have left some podcast episodes to be released throughout the summer. So in this episode, I'm joined by Anthony Tseng of DataYes. Thank you very much for joining today, Anthony. Thank you, Mark. Um, Anthony, you work for uh, DataYes, which is a company based out of China, based out of Shanghai, China. So I think I'm right in saying that um, DataYes is my second Chinese company. So so this is, it's 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 good for me because I like having things that I haven't had very much of before. Um, so very, very pleased to have this opportunity. Um, so Anthony, why don't we begin? Why don't you just start by telling me what what does DataYes do? It's you 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 provide data. Um, what kind of data do you do you provide? Sure. Uh, all right. So um, as the name suggests, uh, we a uh, we are data vendor in the finance market, uh, but we go beyond data. So there are mainly two uh, sides of our business. One is the financial data portion, uh, and uh, the other would be the uh, uh, solutions uh, in terms of uh, uh, we bring solutions for uh, our investors uh, and help them with uh, artificial intelligence tools. And this shows up in uh, our applications of uh, uh, natural language processing and uh, in quantum mental investing. Um, Fantastic. I think that's a good that's a good uh, summary to to kick off. Um, where where did um, so how long where did DataYes come from? Do you are you familiar with the the story? How did the how did the company come about? Uh, DataYes was founded in uh, 2013. Uh, we are a uh, subsidiary of uh, uh, China Wanshan Group. Uh, our founders uh, envisioned uh, a data uh, company that also uh, focuses on providing uh, artificial intelligence solutions to the uh, finance domain. Okay, so um, but so because twenty thirteen is strikes me as very early because actually, say the United States is often seen as the place where alternative data kind of came from and and where it's the most the most used and and it's it's the most kind of um you know the center of alternative data right now in terms of size at least um would be the United States and I feel like um things were just beginning to wake up in 2012 2013 in 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 the US so um so that's very early for for DataYes to the same thing to be happening in China are you familiar um with actually it may be unfair because you weren't there in 2013 it may be unfair to ask you but um do you know what the do you know what the scene was like in China back then do you know how long alternative data has been a has been a thing uh well uh, let me let me I think you are right in saying that uh, we were quite early uh, in this business and uh, I think uh, to some extent some of our t- tools currently are still uh, 
very early, you know, cutting edge for uh, for the industry. So some of the tools we actually had to spend uh, uh, quite some time to to explain it to the clients uh, on uh, in helping them understand it. So uh, how do we use AI in solving their uh, problems and how does the forecasting work? Uh, coming back to the alternative data side of the question, um, it uh, I mean the it, for about four or five years ago, uh, this was still a uh, early stage for uh, for for the product uh, with in, in in the domestic market over here, and uh, it wasn't until the recent uh, couple of years that uh, we feel the clients has uh, a much better. Uh, both in terms of much better understanding, but more in, in, in more in the sense of they are more accepting of uh, alternative data, uh, and mm-hmm. that's uh, that, that's a trend that we have been seeing uh, lately, and uh, it's uh, it, it definitely has increased a lot uh, from uh, a few years uh, from like four or five years ago. Okay, so um, so alternative data wise, um, so you mentioned there's two there's two parts of the business. There's the providing alternative data, and then there's also providing the tools um, which will allow an investor to be able to use machine learning to make the most of the alternative data to perhaps make make predictions, etc. Using the data, so using machine learning tools. Um, so let's start with the data. Um, what what kind of data are, are we talking about? What 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 is what is um, uh, DataS is offering? Sure. Um, data wise, we have the traditional finance data. So uh, these are the things that people normally know about from the macro uh, country level data to industry, and then to micro level data, you know, including stock prices, including uh, the listed securities, uh, all the uh, ticks, uh, the company's fundamental information, now what they publish in the revenue. <laughs> and then we have alternative data that are uh, you know, new items that are not covered in the normal uh, financial sense, uh, but we find that they also bring a lot of insights into the investment process. So. Uh, to give an example, uh, news sentiment uh, would be one such data. In uh, in a direct sense, this is not a financial data. It's uh, it's reflecting the uh, the sentiment towards a given company. Uh, in in our in, in in this case, it would be a listed companies, uh, and how uh, what are the sentiments towards them uh, uh, within the news? So are they being talked about in a positive matter or a negative matter. Uh, and this is not something that you normally would associate with a financial data. I mean, it direct in a direct sense, it's just a sentiment, right? We assign a sentiment score. But uh, through we, we, in our back testing period and also uh, coming back to uh, from our kind feedbacks, uh, there is <coughs> correlations between new sentiments and uh, stock performances. Uh, and Especially in uh, Chinese market, where uh, there is a large portion uh, of participants coming from uh, the retail side. Uh, so how stocks and companies are talked about in the news uh, has a really strong correlation with how retail investors uh, decide to invest. That sounds right. Um, do you make any distinctions in the types of news? Are there any types of news that you think have more predictive power than others? 
we make a distinction in terms of the news source um, mm-hmm. because the we had to make sure that the source of news are uh, is can, it has to be authoritative. Uh, so we we do filter to make sure that uh, at the source level this is uh, trustworthy news. How would you ascertain how authoritative a, a source is? Right. So. Um, for example, this wouldn't be coming from uh, because in this day and age, uh, all types of news are out there in the internet, and um, many of them, for example, would be uh, personal. Um, how do you call it, classify those? This will be um, in China. We have Weibo, <coughs> which is very similar to Twitter, and mm-hmm. they also serve uh, lots of timely news, but. They are coming rather from a establishment. These are coming from uh, personal, uh, like now individuals running their uh, news sites. So mm. this uh, is very difficult to judge the quality of their source. Sometimes it can be uh, of good quality, other times not. Uh, so to be able to uh, have some sort of um, uh, check on the trustworthiness of our news, uh, we um, select the uh, the official accounts only. So even if coming from social media, these will be official accounts from either from government or from companies or from the news companies themselves or from public listed companies. Uh, and then the public news, right? Um, the published news sites. So this is the kind of check uh, on the source of the uh, original data. That's new sentiment. Um, uh, any other forms of data which um, which DataS provides? Uh, on the alternative data space, we also have uh, research report sentiment, uh, and this is very very similar to new sentiment. But uh, we are extracting the sentiment from research reports, uh, and we find that you know, in addition to the uh, uh, analyst rating, there are a lot. Oftentimes, warning signs or uh, as a precursor to what he might change next time, uh, there are uh, the contents of what goes into the reports actually gives an early indication of uh, what might be coming out or what the analyst might be thinking. So that's a very early signal that we can detect within research reports aside from the rating itself. And uh, other data such as uh, supermarket sales, is uh is a it's a, a new alternative data type that we uh, that we have been seeing a lot of uh, interest from our clients. Uh, this gives a very uh, early signal, a leading indicator into the uh, performance of companies that focus on retails, retail products. Um, so you're saying you you what? Sorry, I missed the I missed the important. You're saying uh, what what kind of sales? Supermarket sales. Supermarket sales. Okay, um, so you would get supermarket sales. What what kind of data is that? So is that you are you buying that data from the supermarkets? Um, yes, we 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 uh, we work with the supermarkets, uh, and they uh, the <coughs> the data they collect from their cash machines basically uh, will be aggregated to give us a a view on how um, each product. Uh, the sales of each product and uh, or each brand it depends on how what level we want to aggregate them uh, at. But uh, let's take for example, uh, you want to know uh, how well a given brand of beer is doing, uh, and we have all that data. Uh, we can tell you um, for the now how how 
a particular brand of a beer performs against his competitors. Uh, and you can do uh, analysis such as that within a given industry or within a given uh, racetrack to see now how company A fares against company B or even just within the company itself. And now, uh, it, because these are coming from the retail data, um, uh, it's, uh, it's a leading, it's a lot, uh, sorry, it's a leading indicator compared to what you might use traditionally, which is coming from the company's uh, quarterly wholesale data. Absolutely, absolutely. Just to understand a little bit better, are we so? And again, like my knowledge of of exactly how the Chinese market works in this case is 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 little. But so, do we have? Are there? Um, does the Chinese market have? I don't know, three or four massive supermarket companies which cover the whole of China. So if you build a relationship with one or two or three or however many of those of those small number of companies, then you can get a really good cross-section view across the whole company? Um, or do you have to build a lot of relationships with a lot of different supermarkets in order to get hold of this data? Mm-hmm. Um, we have to build a relationship with many of them. Uh, and this, there is also, um, instead of trying to cover like, you know, lead like as much, well, actually we do try to cover as much as possible, but the, uh, we also had to realize that it's, uh, it's never going to be, uh, possible to cover hundred percent of it. So, mm. um, statistical method has to be applied in place to say, uh, what percentage of a symbol, uh, is, uh, sufficient or representative. It. Is representative right. of, a, of a greater population. That's right, and uh, it, in cities like Shanghai versus cities like now uh, countryside, um, the uh, the the share the ratio will also be t- uh, uh, different to reflect the size of the retail market. Uh, so that that type of uh, ratio setting and also in terms of the sample size within a given city. Uh, all that is taken into account and then uh, scaled up to 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 come up with a, um, uh, a representative number uh, to represent an estimate of sales at the country level. Mm. So you, yeah. So you, so you mentioned um, that it's possible for a for a client to use this data to perhaps compare one brand against another. Um, is it possible? Do you think using this data to use it to um, expand to a kind of understanding how consumption looks like in China, um, particularly at the kind of retail supermarket level. But trying to trying to build a kind of picture of China using this data is that is that possible? Do you think? I think we can do that uh, as well. But uh, our the, the bear in mind that uh, this is uh, coming from simple supermarkets, right? And the to the extent that uh, supermarket reflects uh, a certain portion of the retail consumption, then mm-hmm. you can do that analysis. So, yeah. um, the supermarket, the, the products that are sold, uh, are mostly sold in supermarket, the uh, market beer, for example, uh, or, uh, conditioning, right? Those are the things that are mostly covered, uh, or mostly sold in supermarkets. And you wouldn't be judging the same thing with clothing, for example. Okay. Uh, were there? Um, 
I know that uh, DataYes offers employment data, so I'm going to keep asking uh, if there are more types of data sets until we hit employment data, and then I'll know that we've 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 got them all. So, um, so <laughs> <laughs> any more any more types of alternative data sets? Um, well, we uh, another special one that uh, I should quickly mention is our uh, AI forecasting. Um, and this is uh, uh, worth a special mention because it's an area that, um, as far as we know, we are the only person, uh, only player in the market that's able, able to offer such a product. And um, the, the methodology uh, behind uh, AI forecast, uh, we, call a, uh, we call it quantum mental investing. Yep. Uh, it's basically a method to bring quantitative process to fundamental investing. Uh, and um, it's backed by a uh, knowledge graph that uh, allows human analysts to uh, express their um, expert knowledge uh, of how the structure of given company's revenue uh, using knowledge graph. And that will then become our input to the uh, machine learning model uh, behind the scenes uh, and then allow us to combine now, uh, a distinct worlds of fundamental uh, investing to that of uh, fundamental investing, sorry, uh, quantitative investing. And then uh, gives us the methodology of uh, quant uh, what we call quantum mental. Uh, and it has shown to be a very uh, accurate. Uh, we are able to uh, beat analyst consensus uh, more than 80% of the time. Fantastic. Um, so are we, uh, have we covered all the data sets, do you think, all the alternative data sets? Uh, and then uh, finally, the job postings is another uh, uh, special uh, alternative data that, that we've been exploring lately. And uh, this was the one we have been working with uh, Xabel on. Um, we believe the uh, job posting uh, shows an early signal to what the company's management uh, uh, were are planning and how positive they are to the um, to to their uh, to the company's uh, given future, and uh, um, so this allows us to gain a, a different angle uh, of insight into uh, company performance compared to that of other signals. ESG. Um, does your is your are you finding that there is use cases for your data for ESG purposes? Oh, absolutely, and uh, thank you for raising um, the, this question. Yeah. Um, that trend, uh, now it's similar. We have a similar trend here in China as well, um, and uh, increasingly, investor wants to know the ESG score for uh, the companies they are investing in. Um, so it is an area that has received a lot of attention. Uh, our clients also want to know how they can obtain this information and also more importantly, how they can quantify this information. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a very, very tricky area uh, because there is no uh, standard, there's no regulatory standard on how companies uh, report their, uh, their ESG metrics. Uh, and at the end of the day, each company chooses the format on how they are disclosing it. 
Um, so it's then up to the data vendors to be able to come up with a methodology in terms of how to uh, now aggregate across the companies in uh, and in a way that investors can um, laterally compare them. And uh, in this area, we have done uh, some work and have just gone live with our ESG data product uh, for Chinese listed companies. Uh, and we leverage our strengths in uh, natural language processing uh, to identify the uh, metrics in various financial reports and uh, be able to associate uh, these uh, uh, the metrics in those reports uh, with a tree structure that we define for them. So we'll be able to identify you know, even if the company chooses to different format, different wording to for the classifications, uh, we will identify this and uh, pick them up for uh, to include within um, a, a three tier structure. Uh, sorry, three tier tree structure um, uh, that allows the, our clients uh, to be able to analyze and laterally compare these companies. Brilliant. Okay, so. Client-wise, um, where do you see your clients as mainly being? And I'm asking both in terms of geography and in terms of types of clients. What what types of clients and where are they? Where where do they tend to be based? Mm-hmm. Well, most of our clients are, are domestic companies in China, uh, but we do have uh, clients uh, outside China. Uh, um, this includes sovereign funds. Uh, in uh, Southeast Asia, and this also includes some global uh, hedge funds. Um, I think four out of the top five hedge funds are currently our clients. Uh, and um, the the trend continues. It's uh, there's a lot of interest in investing in China uh, in the in the China market, and uh, uh, so we are seeing in a lot more uh, inquiries coming from our uh, clients uh, from the international market. Brilliant. Um, and so would you say that your your clients, whether they're based in, in, in China or abroad, are tending to use your alternative data to make investments in either the Hong Kong or the Shanghai stock markets? That would be the, that would be the ultimate use case rather than investing in any, any markets elsewhere. Uh, that's right. It's uh, our kind of mainly interested in you know, investing in uh, the local markets over here. Um, there is a potential use for our data to, uh, now to, to apply to the global uh, market uh, to uh, derive some signals uh, as to how international companies are doing in China. Um, it's an area that we'd like to explore further uh, when if we are able to identify a proper opportunity for that. And so what about on the corporate side? Uh, yes, we also uh, we have also been exploring in this, in this area and have, in fact, uh, clients from non-financial markets that uh, are working with us on this area. Uh, they, they are interested in both the traditional finance data uh, because it provides them a higher frequency uh, information than what they normally would get uh, within their um, uh, uh, within their systems, and also in the alternative data, uh, as well as our specialty in uh, using cognitive AI to help them uh, perform trend analysis and uh, forecast. Uh, and 
for example, we have a client in um, the pulp industry who has been working with us in this in the past year. Brilliant. Okay, so let's step back and just look at alternative data in China, kind of as a as a whole. Um, I you've you've kind of mentioned that in the last five years, it's really it's been it's been picking up all the use of alternative data in China. Um, where do you see um, the state of alternative data in terms of how how educated investors are about alternative data? Are, are you, do you think a lot of investors are currently using alternative data? Do you think a lot are not, and and that they may you know they may come to use it in the in the in the near future? Where how how developed do you think this world is for alternative data over there? We have definitely seen that trend increasing in the in in the past few years. Like four years ago, the if we were able to go talk to our clients about alternative data. Uh, many of them would express interest, uh, but at the same time, they would question the value. Uh, how you know, how can they incorporate such data into their uh, investment decision process? Uh, and lately, we are seeing clients both uh, across um, uh, buy size and sell size who are more accepting to uh, using alternative data in their investment process. Uh, we believe this continue, trend will continue. Uh, there, there, will, there will be more interest uh, from clients in this space, especially as new types of alternative data are uh, identified. And also in terms of uh, clients also need to understand how they can use it. How do they extract the value uh, from alternative data? Uh, that's a process that may take a few years. Are you seeing a change in the types of types of clients who are who are discovering alternative data? Is it did it begin with the most sophisticated investors and it's moving towards you know the the the, the broader market? Is there a change in in the in the profile of people who are who are who are um, buying data now? Absolutely. So definitely from the more sophisticated one to the uh, to the smaller and uh, uh, to the smaller shops, but. Uh, also, in the sense of, um, uh, it starts off with the quantitative uh, type of customers. So the ones that are doing more uh, algorithmic tradings uh, uh, are the early adopters. Uh, um, they can, through algorithm, they can identify uh, the values that these alternative data may bring them. Uh, this uh, the signals that it produces them, or the how much value you uh, add to their investment process, uh, and then later, what uh, attributes to the recent increase are the clients that doing are now traditionally more uh, fundamental are recently onboarding to this as well, and they are finding methods to incorporate alternative data uh, even as they uh, now. Um, uh, apply their fundamental research on a at a company level. Um, China, it seems to me, is a is a it's a I I don't know if it's unique, but it's a different market to um to the U.S. and European markets, um, largely in the fact that it's I think it's eighty percent retail investors, isn't it? In terms of in terms of volume, it's it's a large quantity of of retail traders who are who are kind of moving prices around. Um, do you think? alternative data can help navigate that situation particularly do you think more 
it strikes me that potentially, and we are seeing it in the West at the moment. And well, I'm, I'm thinking particularly of a company I've had on this on this on this podcast before, Quiver Quantitative. Um, they are focused on understanding what the retail investor is doing in a, in the in the US. They are. Um, so I wonder if there could be scope for investors to be using alternative data about retail investor activity to understand how that might drive future prices. Are you referring to the in retail investor activity as alternative data itself or the use of alternative data by retail investors? Uh, well, I was talking about, so with Quiver Quantitative, what they, the way they've tracked retail investor activity is through retail, retail message boards. So it's in understanding what the retail investors are saying to each other about stocks. Then you can potentially understand which direction the retail investor will or all of the retail investors will move mm-hmm. um so so it strikes me that potentially there could there could be there could be potential for something like that in 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 china um because the retail investor is so influential so if mm-hmm. you could find a way to to um to uh measure uh or, or kind of you know create data around what retail investors are saying about what investment they want to make then that could help um analyze the future future direction uh, yes. So actually, I mean, uh, I think uh, I can cover both of those uh, um, use cases. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, those are the, 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 both of these cases. Um, so in terms of um, the retail investors' activity as an alternative data, uh, now, like I mentioned, monitoring their um, discussion boards. Uh, and see which now uh, stocks are talked most about, etc. Um, absolutely, and actually we do have uh, products uh, that are um, that that particularly uh, focuses on this. Uh, these are on social media. Uh, we apply um, in this case natural language processing uh, to extract sentiment on uh, uh, from the users uh, on social media platforms. Uh, and very similar to what we discussed earlier on new sentiments, right? This will be, uh, but instead of new source, this will be social media sources that covers um, what the retail investors may be discussing, you know, uh, on different social medias. And I suppose some of those questions goes back to uh, the recent uptake of uh, meme stocks. Uh, so yes. since then, there's a lot of inquiry. Uh, from clients, whether we can cover, um, you know, with uh, technology. Now, whether we can cover uh, and detect uh, early signals coming from social media uh, and be able to quantify this so that they can now, uh, how, you know, what stocks are being talked about and what kind of sentiment uh, and how much, at, at what quantity, at what level is the discussion on. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds that sounds perfect. Mm-hmm. And um, also the the, the um, second part of that in terms yes. of um, using alternative data by retail investors, um, we aren't seeing that yet. And uh, I think it's a matter of being able to provide them with the right tools, because it's not as uh, straightforward to take alternative data and be able to convert that to a signal that uh, uh, for, for retail investors to see how that translates to the value of a given stock or a revenue of a given company. So 
it is now the they will need to have the corresponding tools similar to um, institutional investors in being able to uh, um, <clears throat> to process that data and be able to uh, convert that into a uh, contribution. For example, changes in uh, certain alternative data, how much does that contribute to the performance of a given company? And this is one area where we think uh, the quantum mental investing approach we discussed earlier can help. Uh, and um, now it's a, a, a feature that uh, we are uh, providing to retail customers in uh, in our uh, smartphone app. Brilliant, brilliant smartphone app. That's uh, that's that sounds very Chinese, and I don't th- I can't <laughs> think of a single US or, or European uh, data provider which has a smartphone app. So that's yeah, a this, very this, nice. This, this goes back to the the difference you mentioned earlier, uh, with the majority of investor here being retail investor. Uh, mm-hmm. Smartphone app is in uh, it's a crucial critical part to to mm-hmm. to to our business. Okay. Um, and so, Anthony, here we are in 2022, um, looking ahead. Where do you see the future developments in alternative data in China? Where do you see the cutting edge? Where Where are you kind of excited about for data, yes, and for alternative data more widely? What What do you see the future as being? So, um, as we might have discussed a little bit on uh, on this before, um, the early adopters of alternative data are uh, mainly the quantitative users so, uh, and they look for signals uh, across a much larger uh, share of uh, uh, stocks for example they will be looking at the entire market and the type of data uh, the type of alternative data that uh, they will normally need uh, would match with that uh, strategy so for example new sentiment so they will be looking across the entire market to see how the uh, sentiment can, uh, what kind of signal the sentiment will give them. Uh, and but the more recently, because of um, uh, the increased interest coming from um, from the fundamental side, uh, the we see the development of alternative data to start to narrow down from being now market-wide to start to be focusing more on specific industries um, and that brings a lot of challenge especially for data vendors such as ours uh, because extending the coverage of alternative data or new types of alternative data to cover specific in- industry um, is uh, each of those comes with a, a incremental cost uh, in terms of identifying, developing, uh, and be able to provide uh, quantitative data uh, with good quality, um, it's, uh, it, it's a challenge each time. And uh, it's something that the entire market, uh, in terms of uh, the data vendors such as our, would have to work very closely with clients to identify uh, the next um, industry that they might want to focus on and uh, to be able to now cover each data uh, vendor's uh, R&D into this area so that we can see the new um, 
data sources being identified and, uh, um, and, and discovered. Fantastic. Well, that's brilliant. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for coming today and sharing uh, sharing your insights on DTS itself and on the wider Chinese market and and, and shining a bit of light on on alternative data over there. So, um, so thanks so much and uh, and best of luck for the future. Thank you, Mark. And-